Let's do some exploring. Our topic is compassionate capitalism, not ordinary capitalism, the compassionate kind. Does that sound like utopia? Strictly woo, is it even possible? Let's dig in. Today we're going to discuss the question, why? Remember the episode I shared about the experiment of, I don't know, 50 to 100 people who were brought into a room one by one, stood in front of a set of justice scales, and asked a series of questions about saving the globe. For every yes they gave, they put a block on the right-hand side of the scales. And by the time they answered all all the questions, the scales were leaning heavily to the right. And one could deduce that each person absolutely, positively, was concerned about the environment and how important protecting it was. And the second part of the experiment was to invite those same people in front of their own justice scales and to answer the questions about what they would do personally to help get the world back on track. And their scales remain lopsided to the right because nobody wanted to make the minor personal lifestyle sacrifices to make meaningful change to the globe. In other words, we all talk about it, but few of us actually do anything tangible and concrete. Well, that's what I was thinking about the other day, and I was noodling around ways to change human behavior. And since we both know that human behavior is essentially motivated by greed, and we've already covered greed in a previous episode, I wanted to find a couple of different perspectives or ways or tools to deal with some of this. Now, this week I was reading about an organization in the UK, which had entered into some kind of fundraising deal for, say, I don't know, 100 billion euros each year, and was waxing poetic about where the money was all going to go. Specifically, the investing was going to go into, quote-unquote, nature-based solutions, it was going to go into cleanup and remediation of the planet, and, of course, to be invested in all the new technologies that would bring so much wealth to all the venture capitalists. And I seriously wondered why this organization was taking such a long way around to solve the problems. I mean, invest a whole bunch of money in cleanup and remediation and green solutions and make venture capitalists rich and completely ignore the root cause of the problem. And then I remembered something that I did more than 20 years ago. At that time, I was leading a $30 million company and was massively bored in the usual semi-weekly meetings. And those meetings had deteriorated to, well, this is our usual problem. It's costing us gobs of money, and that's that. And any and all questions I had generally ended up with all participants pointing their fingers at someone else. And I was massively bored. And I was majorly frustrated because the problem was costing our bottom line a quarter of a million dollars every single year. And it was painfully obvious that our, our meetings had become a complete waste of time. So one day I declared that we were going to solve that one problem definitively, and I asked for volunteers to help me. The problem had been around for the company's almost entire existence, and frankly, every, everyone thought it was impossible to fix. I think they thought it was better to just humor me and allow me to come up empty rather than sit there and do nothing. (laughs) The quality control guy introduced me to the concept of the five whys, and it is brilliantly simple. You phrase a question into why is this done that way, or why do you feel that way, or what do you think the issue is, and you get an answer. And then you follow it up with why. And you get another answer, and you ask why. 
And then you get another answer and you get Y. And somewhere between the third and fourth answers, you start to get closer to the truth. So by the time you get to the answers, the fifth Y, you've reached the fundamental issue, the nub, the root cause. And that's the five Ys. It's very brilliantly simple. You may know this concept by a completely different name. So let me now tell you about how we got to the source of the $250,000 loss. I asked one question. Why is this loss every single year? Well, because that's the nature of inventory. It's never accurate. Why? Because there are too many people involved in the process and everyone does their own thing. Why? Well, because most people are too stupid. Why? Because there are systems to follow and nobody reads. Why? Because the bills of material haven't been updated in close to 20 years, so we're all just fine-tuning things ourselves. So we were losing a quarter of a million dollars each year because the recipe cards for what we were manufacturing were not correct. Identify the fundamentals driving the issue and you can fix the problem. And yes, we did pick up a quarter million dollar profit that year and permanently kept it for several years thereafter. So when I look at this brilliant company in the UK raising money to invest in saving the globe, my first reaction is, why? Because whenever you want to start something new, you got to raise the money, right? Why? Because that's what regular capitalism has always taught. Why? Because those with gobs of money are the only game in town. Why? Because nobody else has the power. Why? Because we've placed money above everything else. You see how that 5Y works? And listen, the way I see it, raising all this new capital, it's not going to fix the problem. To me, it's like you've broken your leg and there's a gash with nonstop bleeding. And your solution is to go create a newfangled cast for your arm. Now, if that example seems a little too far out there for you, then consider you've got yourself a home that has a flooded basement and the water is rising. So you decide you need to waterproof your walls and contact a roofer to make sure your roof's in good shape. In both these instances, you're not throwing good money after bad. You're throwing good money out the window and not doing anything to stop the old money, which has and is continually seeping out. And that's why to me it makes no sense. Let's start with why people don't want to change their behavior. I remember one year, many years ago, being at a business networking meeting, and the discussion was around composting in our homes. And one business fellow stood up and proudly proclaimed that he had absolutely no intention of ever composting. We asked him why. And I think we asked him maybe three times before we got to the real reason why he did this. Anyways, here's the story. He was born in a very poor village where scrounging in the garbage for food was a common occurrence. And when he immigrated and began his new life, he vowed never to be poor again. So after 20 years or so, he had a business which afforded him a gigantic home, friends in the political circle that he belonged to, and an ego the size of a football field. 
His way of reinforcing the message that he had arrived and was successful beyond measure was for him. The amount of garbage bags he put out every week. Lots of garbage bags meant he was rich, successful, and powerful, able to throw out at will whatever he did not want or need. Composting reminded him of scavenging, and since no one in his new neighborhood scavenged, he didn't feel the need to engage in such low activities. Now, I share this example because we all have very different reasons why we won't do something. And when we want to change anything, we need to understand what we're dealing with and devise ways to deal effectively with the objections. So here's two more real examples. I refuse to buy an electric car. Why? They cost too damn much. Why? Well, because they're new and they're not tested and they require us, the citizens, to be guinea pigs once again. And I am not a guinea pig. Why? I like my own big truck just the way it is. Why? It's what I'm used to. I've always had one and I'll be damned if I'm going to give it up. Why? My truck is an extension of my identity. Take away my truck take away my identity. Now here's a second one. I refuse to get a COVID vaccine. Why? These vaccines are not safe. Why? They don't have 10 or 20 years of study and experience to back them up. Why? Well, because the big pharma and the government rush them to the market. Why? Because they're all about money and they want power over me. Why? Oh, they're powerful and they like to mess with the citizens and I won't be messed with. Now, believe it or not, I've actually heard both of these arguments, both. And I certainly will not say that the arguments are wrong in the eyes of the people giving them. But there is one thing I think we can all agree with both these arguments. Communication and messaging for both why we should save the world and why we should get a vaccine have been seriously confused, lacking, misleading, and ignorant of the people on the receiving end, the lowest level of the totem pole, the taxpayer. Now, wouldn't it make sense to interview the lowest level of the totem pole and ask, why are you a huge supporter of helping the globe and yet not standing in line to do your part? Wouldn't it make sense to interview the lowest level of the totem pole and find out even a bit of what they might want for doing their part? Wouldn't it make sense to interview the lowest level of the totem pole and ask them for suggestions? If we started with why, we could get to the nub of the resistance faster, which means we could develop solutions faster. And I am betting those solutions will not be nearly as expensive as the money we globally spend to put a Band-Aid on. The 5Y process is universal, and it can be applied to just about everything in our lives. It helps us get to the bottleneck, get to the nub, get to the resistance, get to the main sore spot. And when we discover the truth about something, not our truth, but the truth of the situation, it becomes so much easier to deal with and change our thinking. Changing our thinking for the better is something that I have believed in all my life. 
And when we change our thinking for the better, we actually can move forward with speed and precision. Remember, if any of us knew what the unintended consequences of our actions, 20, 30, 50, 75, or even 200 years ago would be today, we'd all be asking for a do-over. And since a do-over is not possible, the only thing we can do is a do-better. And that do-better must be for the greatest good of all.